Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. look at one of the most famous uh, parables that Jesus taught. The parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. We find it in Luke 15. Luke 15. So you can all go there in your Bibles. We all know the story very well and you may be, you may be thinking, oh I've heard this one before. Man. But let me tell you that if it is your heart's desire to hear and receive from God, He will speak to you. Even, even though, even through stories that you have heard before. Amen. Many times we have grown in maturity. And when we go back to old stories like these and other parts of the Bible, we receive things we didn't receive in the past. We see things in the scripture that we didn't see before. And that's awesome because the word is living. Amen. And God is living and he speaks to us through his word. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible and it has really blessed me in the past week um, when I looked at it again. Um, it's a story told by Jesus. <laughs> it's a story told by Jesus. Think about that. Remember that. It's a story told by Jesus. Who we know is the perfect representative of the Father. The perfect representative of the Father. You can write down Hebrews 1 verse 1 to 3. If you don't believe me, go read that. Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. So if you want to know who the Father is and how He is, go look at Jesus. Go look at what He said and go look at what He did. So I am sure that no one will leave here today without receiving something from God. Amen. Amen. So, no one may run out of the door now, but we are going to divide up into small groups, as I always like to do. Okay, we are going to read through and discover together. I love doing our services this way because then we are all giving our full attention to the Word. And we get the maximum that we can get, we can get out of it. And it also gives each and every one an opportunity to say what, what blesses you. And in that way, we serve each other. Think about that. So don't be afraid. Just relax. Just relax. Um, this way is also a good way to, to do uh, training. Né? Life group training, good Bible study training to do it this way. Okay, okay so let's divide into groups of... Three. So I want uh, Emily, you can stand. Nana, stand. Rita, stand. Philip, stand. Uh, Ita, stand. Sophia, stand. Ingrid, stand. Uh, Anthea, stand. Maki, stand. 
And that's all. Uh, Peter, you can also stand. Yeah. Uh, okay, so these are the group leaders. Uh, let's divide up. I don't want you guys to be in the same group, the group leaders. So you make groups of three people or two, two or three people. All right, go for it. to keep in mind as we read through it you might want to write down these questions is what is the situation that caused Jesus to tell these stories what is the situation that caused Jesus to tell these stories 
This is just questions that we can think about as we're going to read through the scripture. What is the situation that caused Jesus to tell these stories? Why did Jesus tell these stories? Okay. That's the first question. What do these three stories have in common? What do these three stories have in common? What do these three stories have in common? And what does it tell us about God? What do these three stories have in common? And it's part of the same question. And what does that tell us about God? Okay. Did you get that? Uh, that caused Jesus to tell these stories. Like, or you can say, why did Jesus tell these stories? Yeah, why did he tell these stories? Um, and then, what can we learn from the younger son? What can we learn from the younger son? What can we learn from the father of the sons? That's another question. What can we learn from the father of the sons? And lastly, what can we learn from the older son? What can we learn from the older son? I don't think we're going to get to this one, but what can we learn from the saved son? Morning. Feel free to join one of these groups. Uh, I think you can join that one over there. Thank you. The last one. Okay, so the last one was what can we learn from the saved son? Yeah, so what can we learn from the younger son? The older son and the father. Eh? Those three questions. And then what can we learn from the saved son? The son that came home. He was lost, but now he was saved. Eh? Yes. No, it's three different questions. Eh? We're going to look at the younger son, the father, and the older son separately in different questions. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for the word we are about to receive. May you please, Lord, speak to our hearts. We open up our minds and our hearts to you. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Amen. You guys can join this group. Over here. Um, you got to join that group. Okay. Awesome. Alright. Luke 15, verse 1. Are you all there? Okay, remember the questions, eh? Luke 15 verse 1, 
I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over ninety-nine others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has uh, ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels, when even one sinner repents. Third story, parable of the lost son. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he wants to become a slave, no? So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him he said to uh, sorry his son said to him father i have sinned against both heaven and you and i am no longer worthy of being called your son but his father said to the servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening 
We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead, and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, like this morning. <laughs> and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours came back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. You can hear how angry he is, eh? His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Amen. What a beautiful story. Okay, so here's the first question again. What is the situation that caused Jesus to tell these stories. And I'm going to give you five minutes, five minutes, or I'll see, between three and five minutes, you can discuss. But the simple answer is verse one. Verse one and two. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So this is the context. No? This is the physical uh, situation that was taking place uh, that caused Jesus to tell these stories. Do you understand? Who got that? Yeah, awesome. It's pretty easy, no? Yeah. Whenever we read the Bible, we just need to ask ourselves questions like these, okay? Jesus was probably talking to both groups, the sinners and the Pharisees. Both were lost, and you will see uh, later in the story. Um, he was showing the sinners their true value in God's eyes, because the sinners were sitting there, no? The sinners were sitting there, they were listening to him. It says in the first verse, they were coming to him to listen to him. And the Pharisees was also sitting there, or standing there maybe, I don't know, whether they sat or stand. <laughs> it's very irrelevant, but um, Jesus was talking to both groups. He was showing the sinners uh, their true value in God's eyes, and he was correcting and confronting the self-righteous Pharisees at the same time. That's genius, to be able to do that. Huh? And he was showing them 
the love and the grace of the Father. Amen. But this first verse reveals something beautiful about our Lord. Jesus was not afraid to mix with sinners. Think about that. It's a simple verse, but it speaks a, a very, very important truth. He was not afraid of dirty language and dirty jokes. I'm not, I'm not saying he took part in it, but he was not afraid to be among them. The unholy came to the truly holy one, the only truly holy one. And he never chased them away. He lived among them. He walked and he talked with them. And he even ate with them. Think about that. They were his friends. In those days, the Jewish culture uh, was that Jews do not eat with non-Jews. Yes. Jesus did not care about that. Eating together in almost all cultures, even today, is something that friends do. Amen? Uh, it's a symbol of intimacy. It's a symbol of trust, friendship, commitment, and a relationship. Sharing life. No? That was what Jesus was doing with sinners. Um, there's a scripture somewhere that says that he, the Son of Man does know, know where to lay his head. I'm not sure what, where, he, where he stands. But Jesus was a, a traveling minister and he was among the sinners. Amen. Look at how opposite Jesus is to the religious leaders of his day. They were self-righteous. They believed that they were holy because of their money, their position. Their, and outwardly they do and say the right things. But inwardly, it was a different story. No? Yeah. They rejected the sinners. They looked down on them, full of pride. Sinners fled from their presence because they knew that judgment and condemnation was coming. No? I can just imagine those guys in the time, or the Bible says that the high priests and the priests wore little bells on their, on their robes. So you can hear the priest coming. <laughs> and it... I can just imagine how in these days where, where the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders were so condemning how the people, if they hear those bells, they run away. But if they hear Jesus' voice, they go running to Him. Amen. And I just want us to think about that fact. Okay? Sinners went out searching for Jesus. And this might be a challenging question. Do people come to us? Do people come searching for us? Are they eager to come and listen to what you have to share? No? Is your message a message that draws them closer? Or is it a message that pushes sinners away? We need to ask ourselves that. No? Now, if you've got the true gospel, it, it is a message that draws sinners closer. Amen. Do you know any unbelievers? Are you friends with sinners? No? And I'm asking these questions for myself as well. Have you tried building relationship with people who don't know Jesus yet? Ask yourself that question. Eh? Because Jesus spent his whole life with them. Amen. That's just a little question for us to meditate on. And let it encourage us to build relationship with sinners. Build relationship with people who don't know Jesus yet. Amen. Okay, so, second question. What do these three stories have in common? So, Jesus tells three stories, no? He tells the story of the lost sheep, 
He tells the story of the lost coin and he tells the story of the lost son. But each of these stories have some certain point uh, that is the same. No? They have things in common. Let's see if we can find those, those points that, that's the same. Okay. I'll give you five minutes for that one. Another thing that stood out to me for the first time was uh, that the, the lost, uh, was that the one that lost something always went searching for what was lost. No? The shepherd left 99 sheep to go search for the one. The woman spring cleaned her entire house, think about that, to find one lost coin while she had nine others. No? The father's heart was searching for his lost son, always waiting and looking out for the son to come home. This just reveals to us God's heart for the lost. Like you guys said, no? think about that. This reveals God's heart for the lost. He constantly pursues them, constantly calls to the lost. Constantly longs for them to turn and come to Him. That is God's heart. It's not to judge, not to punish the lost, not to punish the sinner. No? His heart is for them, to receive them back. And this, this really blessed me when I thought about this in the week. A shepherd leaves 99 sheep in the wilderness. Think about that. He doesn't leave them with a sheepdog and in a in a in a kraal where they are safe. He's so uh, um, focused on that one sheep, yeah? and the lady she loses one coin. She has nine other coins, but she cleans her entire house to find that one coin. And one word came into my mind. And it, it's a bad word in the world sense of thinking of it, but obsession. <laughs> Think about that. God is obsessed. Can you believe it? God is, about, God is obsessed about something. God has an obsession. God is obsessed with finding and saving the lost. And that's a good thing. Yeah? That's a good obsession to have. Amen. Think about that. God is obsessed to find the lost and to save the lost. Obsessed means to preoccupy or fill the mind continually and to a troubling extent. So his focus is on the lost. No? Can you think of anything else that is more important to God than finding the lost and to saving the lost? What can you think of? <laughs> There's nothing. There is nothing else, no? That's, that's good. We need to become obsessed with finding the lost. Amen. That leads to something else the three stories have in common, and you guys mentioned it as well. Um, that there is great joy when the lost is found. Amen. Luke 15 verse 5 says, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders, talking about the sheep. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is... And then Jesus gives the explanation of what he is saying as well. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents 
and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Okay. Luke 15 verse 9 says, And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels even when one sinner repents. Hallelujah. Luke 15:23 And kill the calf we have been fattening we must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life he was lost and now he is found so the party began we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life he was lost but now he is found the shepherd the shepherd carries the sheep on his shoulders out of pure joy. Yeah. Some teachers say that uh, when the sheep goes astray, the shepherd goes after him and breaks one of the sheep's legs. <laughs> yeah, it's not the truth. He carries the sheep on his shoulders, not because he breaks his leg, because he's happy. Amen? <laughs> it's simple. It's as simple as that. There is great excitement and joy in heaven when one sinner repents and turns to God. We can see this in how the shepherd, the woman and the father reacts when the, when the, the lost is found. They can't keep the news to themselves. They tell all their friends and neighbors and they celebrate with feasting and dancing and partying. This really blessed me. The obsession of the father to find the lost and the pure joy when that lost is found. That really blessed me. God has done and will do everything in His power to see that happen. But, here's a big but. He needs us to be His voice. He needs us to be His voice calling out to the lost. Sharing the good news and inviting them in. We need to become obsessed with sharing the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. You can write this on your fridge or your, your mirror when you look at it in the morning. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, So, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making, think about this, God Himself is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Huh? 2 Corinthians 5.20 So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is, an ambassador is a representative, no? It means represent, you represent that person. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ. Think about that. You speak for Christ. When you plead, when you share the gospel with someone, come back to God. That is God speaking through you, calling the sinner home. Amen. Calling the lost. Okay, so look, let's look at the story of the lost son. Jesus told us... Um, uh, Jesus told the first two stories and maybe he saw that they were not really understanding him. No? 
So, verse 11 says, to illustrate the point further, he told them the story of the lost son. Okay. So, now I'm going to give you <coughs> another five minutes. What can we learn from the younger son? What can we learn from the younger son? I agree with what you guys are saying. He, he needed to repent. Um, but what stood out for me was his motivation for repenting. What was his motivation? His motivation wasn't that pure. His motivation was, I'm hungry. Let's go back to the house. <laughs> my father has a lot of servants. They all have enough food. I'll go back to my father's house because I'm hungry. Yeah. Uh, so the youngest son represents the lost, the sinners, the tax collectors and the prostitutes. The common people that Jesus spent his life with. This is the son we can probably all identify with at some point in our lives. Jesus is painting a picture for his crowd of someone that is completely the worst person that you can imagine. Yeah? To show them something. He insults his father by asking for the inheritance by basically saying, I wish you were dead already. In the Jewish culture of the time, that was a terrible thing to do. Also, uh, he was not the firstborn son. He was the younger son. Yeah? So he was also insulting his brother. He was just overall uh, the problem child in the family. And now, now that he got his inheritance, he moves far away from his father as possible and he wastes his money on himself yeah. indulging in everything the world has to offer selfish like Maki Ayala did you say this he was selfish he was carnal he was focused on the world um, that's the, the words that I would use to describe the younger son but there is another word and that is hungry yeah. hungry that boy was hungry even before the famine began, even before his money ran out. He was already hungry. Why do I say that? It's a spiritual hunger. It's a spiritual hunger that comes from an empty, dead spirit. The problem is that they, and even believers today, go to the world in order to fulfill that hunger. And we know that only the Word can fulfill that hunger. No? Only God can truly give them what they need. Life, peace, fulfillment, joy. Amen. We need to realize that the, the lost out there is hungry. Without them even knowing it. They, they're searching for something, but they don't know what. But when they hear the good news, they will turn. Amen. In John 6, we read about Jesus talking to another crowd of hungry people. He just fed the 5,000 people and a day or so later they asked him for a sign again, hoping he will feed them again. Their physical hunger is symbolic of the spiritual hunger. John 6 verse 33, John 6 verse 33 says, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Amen. That is why sinners came looking for Jesus, because he gave them life. 
they found what they were looking for. They, we have been called to bring them to the one who gives them life. We are called to give them the bread of life, which is Jesus. Amen. And then, as we said, something else that stood out to me was that the son went back to his father, not because he loved his father and he was missing his father, no? but simply because he was hungry. He went back home because he knew that they will... There will be food to eat, no? something better to eat yeah. than big, big food. Uh, but did the father ask him why he came back? Did he say, whoa, whoa, stop there. Why are you coming back? No, no, he didn't. No? It is a difficult thing to understand that the father does not care why the sinner turns to him. We want people to repent because they love God. But the father did not care why the same son came back. All that he cared about was that that the son came back. Because that gives God an opportunity. That gives God an opportunity to show his goodness. Amen. And I agree with you all. Um, when we sin, it's good to repent. It's good to change our thinking. Eh? It's good to go back to God. Amen. What is important is that the sinner comes to him. There are many reasons why people turn to God. Peter also has a good uh, testimony of that. This is an excellent example. Life gets hard. We, or because of stupid choices, or because of the world, or this, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. No? We see this clearly in the younger son's uh, story. But the important thing is that those circumstances make them call out to God. Okay, And there's many people out there in the world going through these kinds of circumstances where they are in the, the pig pen. They are hopeless. They are hungry. But we don't, need, we don't know them. No? That is why we need to share the gospel with everyone. And that is why we need to live a spirit-led life. That when you come across, you walk in the road, that you know, share the gospel. Amen. Okay, our time is almost up. Let's look at the father. I think that's more important than looking at the older son. And we might look at um, the saved son uh, in a different message. But let's look at the father. I think that is very important that we finish off with the father. Okay, so what can we learn from the father of the two sons? You can discuss that. The father of the two sons represent the father God that Jesus came to reveal. When the father gave the sons their inheritance, the Greek is literally, he gave them his life. In the Greek translation of the Bible, it, it means literally he gave them his life. Other translations say he gave them his livelihood. He gave them everything he had. And that sounds a lot to me like John 3.16. Amen. God gave everything so that the lost can be found. No? Because He loves. Amen. The father's reaction to his son's return is beautiful. The father was always searching, waiting for the son's return. He saw the son from a long distance away. And that can only mean that he was already on the lookout. No? He was already on the lookout for his son every day, looking out, looking at the in the distance, waiting for his son to come home. 
I want to read this part for you from the Passion Translation. And just to end off the message today, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to use your imagination. Use your imagination. Maybe you here today, you feel like you are, you are a bit of a lost son. Maybe you feel like that this morning. You've, you've made some mistakes in life and you find yourself in a difficult position. You, yeah, maybe you even busy with the wrong things that you know you're not supposed to be busy with. And you, you want to say today, I, I want to return to my father's house. No? Listen to this, Luke 15 verse 20. Keep your eyes closed and see this in your mind. So the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar. And great, great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. The father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms. He hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, Look with wonder, look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that He has lavished on us. He has called us and made us His very own beloved children. If you're here this morning and you feel like you just messed up, and you want to return to the Father, please put up your hand. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say to you guys, the Father returns. The Father is looking out for you. And He receives you. He receives you with open arms. Amen. He hugs you and He kisses you. And He holds you tightly. You don't have to clean yourself up. You, the son didn't have to clean himself up before he went back home. He went back home dirty, dressed like a beggar. But the father ran to him. He grabbed him. He embraced him. He hugged him and he kissed him. That is God's heart for you guys this morning. And for each of us. God loves us so dearly. He doesn't expect us to make ourselves holy because we can't make ourselves holy. Because He makes us holy. Amen. And He gives us a new ring, a new cloak, and new sandals. And that has very deep meaning. We'll look at it in the future. But receive this word today. God loves you and He receives you back home. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.